0: Amos 2, 9 through 16. Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars and who was as strong as the oaks. I destroyed his fruits above and his roots beneath. Also, it was I who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up some of your sons for prophets and some of your young men for Nazarites, Is it not indeed so, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. Behold, I will press you down in your place as a cart full of sheaves pressed down. Flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not retain his strength, nor shall the mighty save his life. He who handles the bow shall not stand, and he who is swift off foot shall not save himself, nor shall he who rides the horse save his life. And he who is stout of heart among the mighty shall flee away naked in the day, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Amen. All right. Well, good morning and another sunny day in the fine pastures of Amos awaits you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sunshine and roses. Sunshine and roses here as the Lord presses them down like a cart full of sheaves. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> so uh, joined by the great beloved Tally Coughlin today. And we're continuing on through the book of Amos. And you know just as like a little bit of recap, uh, Tally, you're joining us for the first time in the book of Amos. Um, you know've we've, we've been talking about Amos is this uh, this prophet of the Lord who we find out through out the letter. That he's a herdsman, a shepherd, a gatherer of figs, um, and so kind of sounds like he's a not very wealthy, blue collar <laughs> yeah. uh, man of Judah. You know, the southern, the two southern tribes, and he has made the trek up north to the kingdom of Israel uh, to warn them of the cost of their rebellion. And so, you know, I, I think that the the whole view of this prophecy should, uh, I was reading some commentaries and it was helpful because uh, one of the things that one of the commentaries was talking about is that uh, the Lord is a Lord of compassion. And I think we'll get more into this tomorrow, but he, he calls for repentance before enacting punishment. And so I think even though these words of prophecy sound very grim and harsh, it's actually a means of grace and, you know, a call for righteousness um, so that, you know, any who would heed the words of Amos and other prophets uh, would, you know, withstand the day of judgment that is being talked about. And so in today's passage, we get a very clean, broad overview of what is happening and sort of the Lord's justice system here. And so he starts basically on the tail end of the Exodus, you know, recounting that he is the one who drove out these enemy nations? That the Amorites, kind of being this catch-all term, yeah. that he drove them out, even though that they were as high as cedars and as strong as oaks. Yeah. So it was some awesome imagery. That it was the Lord who who tore them out and planted His people there, and what they did in return. And then not only that, but He also raises up prophets and right. you know creates this system for them to flourish in being a people of God. Yeah. But then they respond by uh, polluting, you know, the Nazarites, this yep. this group of, of people who are, you know, kind of meant to be a holy people unto God and then silencing prophets. Yeah. And so basically they've just shown utter disregard for the works of God. Right. And so he is going to discipline his people in order to break their hearts and bring them back to him. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the the overview of this passage and it ends today with some really interesting words about you know flight shall perish from the swift the strong shall not retain his strength nor shall the mighty save his life and it kind of goes on of basically offering the survey of all of the skills and strengths of your people that help you in battle and that you probably attribute to the conquest of canaan Mm -hmm. that is all going to be nothing and uh, evading the judgment of God. And surely we see that as Israel falls um, yeah. to the Assyrians. Yeah. So, Tally, the people are so tired of me talking. <laughs> they're, they're about to turn it off. They <laughs> want to know, Tally, what do you think about Amos 2 9 through 16?
0: Man, well, I mean, you said it so well. Uh, really there's not much more for me to say. I mean, we can be done here. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Well, for telling all. <laughs> Um, no, I just think I love when scripture is so rich in imagery. Um, yeah, totally. We sometimes read it so quickly or listen so quickly that we don't pause and like close our eyes or close off distractions and imagine yeah. what these words may have meant because we don't live near cedar trees. We yeah. don't know what the Amorites looked like and how they were fierce and mighty. Mm-hmm. We also forget that the people of Israel were not a mighty people, mm. that more or less their bodies were on the short stature uh, you know, side of things. Yeah. And so we've got these this huge juxtaposition of something that we're not fully familiar with, um, mm-hmm. unless you've been in California and spent time walking among the cedars, like yeah. we don't pause and think how giant these trees are mm-hmm. and that it's God who brings the tall and mighty and strong down. But then the very next verse, it's the weak that he brings up. Come on. So he's like tearing down what was strong and mighty and would probably cause great fear in the heart of an Israelite and brings up those who are weak and vulnerable and gave them land which they did not work to harvest. Mm. You know, the land, you know, flowing with milk and honey basically means that they were given land that was ready for a harvest. Yeah, They didn't have to work yeah. to have this bounty. And so God's reminding them, like, I did this. I brought you here. Mm. Um, it's really so sad to me, the whole part about them forcing the Nazarites to drink wine. You know, sometimes I think about the history of the people of Israel and they're always being a remnant. Mm-hmm. They're always being, and we'll get to that in a couple days. days um, about a part that God speaks that there's a bit of a, a toe or a, yeah. a part of a bed. We'll get to that yeah, later yeah. of a remnant, but um, that these Nazarites were the moral backbone
1: mm. of
0: the culture and they're forcing them to drink. Like what perverse wickedness takes someone who has sworn to not drink. Mm-hmm. And then forces it upon them. yeah like that's just such a an evil heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that just shines light on the condition of where the people had landed by giving into idolatry at this point.
1: yeah, you know, I, I think that what you're hitting on is one of the massive themes of the Bible that is reiterated all over the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is this idea that God opposes the proud and gives yeah. grace to the humble. And you know, there's a great beauty in that. That's very obvious. Like God is a God of the least. Yeah. He, he elevates the lowly. He raises up people out of the ash heap. But there's also a warning in that that we might not spend enough time on, which is that uh, we should be careful to exalt ourselves, and mm. that that is the condition and nature of our heart is to yeah. seek uh, self security and self exaltation. Uh, even if we dress it up in, you know, polite mm-hmm. sort of different mannerisms as we're very good at. And and that's really what the people of Israel have done is that, you know, they're they're very happy to be out of the ash heap, very happy yeah. to not be a slave nation yeah. anymore. But no longer do they find security in fellowship with God, mm-hmm. but, you know, in military conquest. Right. And so much so that They're willing to actually pollute this covenant with God and pollute these people who are like, as you were saying, the moral backbone, and instead trust in uh, fast men, strong Mm -hmm. men, chariots, things you can see, bows and arrows, Mm -hmm. things you can see. And so we should see ourselves in this passage because uh, I certainly know that that is the inclination of my heart is to move past the gospel, to move past the salvation of God, um, and kind of. Delight in being a beneficiary of it, but not really be a participator in that gospel economy where the least is the greatest, and so it leads us to this verses thirteen through sixteen, yeah, uh, which is sort of the punishment section. And you know, I uh, uh, speaking of you're talking about slowing down and letting our imagination open up. Uh, there's that image of I'll press you down in your place as a cart full of sheaves presses down, and you know I totally just like skimmed over that yeah. and did not pay it any mind. And then I was reading this uh, Minor Prophets commentary, and uh, the guy just he he really opens up that image of like a heavily loaded cart or wagon that is like breaking down into mm. the dirt, and uh, you know then that made me think of. Back when we were a mobile church, you know, we had like six trailers Mm -hmm. that were all loaded up and our AV trailer where all of our sound stuff was and a bunch of our instruments and stuff was a heavy, heavy trailer. And since we were like mobile and not always super organized in Christ covenant fashion, (laughs) you know, sometimes we'd be like, oh gosh, like can someone who has a trailer hitch go grab that? And so it would be like someone driving like a Toyota Highlander or just like kind of like a random (laughs) midsize car with a trailer hitch would like go hook up to it and their like back bumper would be like (laughs) right off the ground it was like it was pressing down and it it made me love that image that amos employs, where it's like gosh that is such a guttural like if Mm -hmm. you see a trailer like pressing Mm -hmm. down on a car or i'm sure if you live in an agrarian society like this wagon that's like crushing under the amount of things it's carrying and um Basically, what that image is doing is it's flipping, it's saying that the oppressors will be oppressed. Yeah. That those who are actually pressing down and crushing down the poor yeah. will be crushed and pressed down by God. Yeah. And that there's no speed or strength right. or battle skill that will exempt anyone from the ultimate justice of God.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and he's, I mean, it's so thorough they not only are they going to flee but they're going to flee away naked i mean mm. that's in shame yeah our bodies were meant to be covered i mean scripture yeah. is very clear about especially in the old testament law like of the appropriateness of our bodies being covered and yeah. anytime nakedness is mentioned it's absolutely connected to shame mm-hmm. and so not only are they unable to save themselves not only are they being pressed down but it's covered in shame mm. um mm-hmm. and that is a heart heartbreak of a place to be unfortunately they didn't take heed of
1: it yeah but absolutely you know i think where we can kind of pull application from this is that the the people of israel as we said they they've turned from a secure identity in god yeah and they've turned towards wealth they've turned towards earthly standing among their neighbors mm-hmm. um and what that has done is it's created massive oppression yes. and Amos is going to unpack that more. But yes. one of the main things that he's getting after is that, how can you be a people of God if the justice of God is not reflected yeah. in your societies? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's easy as like 21st century Westerners to exempt ourselves from that and be like, well, I don't own slaves or like oppress anyone. Um, But I think one, we should actually search ourselves about, you know, do our lives, Contribute to f- any forms of oppression and mm-hmm. greed. And we might be uneasily uh, shocked by what we find. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Th- then on top of that, it doesn't just, you don't just like wake up as this greedy, malicious person, but it's where Amos started. It's you see and experience the salvation of God. Yeah. But you do not live into his ways. Yeah. And instead you rest in earthly identity.
0: Definitely you you are the recipient of so much mm. lavishness from the lord and then all of a sudden you shift from think from dependence and awareness that it was not you to somehow this is mine yeah and that i own it and possess it and i want more and don't even realize when you're taking when you become a consumer mm. and you're right like we're not necessarily living out injustices and actively oppressing others but in our words and deeds and thoughts we become consumers and think that the things that god has given us are our own to store up and greedily Mm -hmm. just add more and more and more to it's interesting you know i love how in this passage he talks about the prophets and the nazarites and i i find that So often through scripture, God reminds us who we are before he tells us what to do or Mm -hmm. before he commands a a discipline. Like He's, like you said earlier on, he reminds us of his mercy. He reminds Mm -hmm. us of our identity. And then where obedience fails, he reminds us that there are consequences. And none of these things should be news to the people. Mm -hmm. Like these were the Levitical laws. They Mm -hmm. knew how they were supposed to treat the Nazarite. They knew how they were supposed to treat prophets. They knew how they were supposed to treat idolaters. Like Mm -hmm. this this information wasn't new. yeah. Um, but God in his mercy is reminding them. Yeah. I mean, even just mentioning Nazarite and the prophets is reminding them, oh, right, that was supposed to be different. And yeah. yet here we are making yeah. them bow down to our, you know, yeah. our idolatry. So absolutely, yeah.
1: absolutely. Man, well, great non-convicting word uh. from <laughs> Amos today. Plenty more of those ahead. Um, so for the great Talek Offlin,